Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. I know that you know this, but we have some very special children and youth and college students at East Haven Baptist Churches, and certainly in our community. But my observation after about a year is that um, they're, they're pretty incredible. And I know I may be a little prejudiced, and some of you might be prejudiced as parents or grandparents, but they really, they really are. Um, I, I want to give you a, a couple of examples, and I could, I could go on and on about all different age groups. One one story I'll share uh, happened Christmas Eve. I told you about it. If you were here, you may have heard about it. We baptized Christmas Eve, and um, we had some of our children back there, and and one of them, uh, his his name is Caleb, and I think Caleb just went out the door probably. Those precious, just one of my favorite parts is watching them, not because I, I don't want them here when I talk. Uh, maybe that's intentional, but it's it's to, it's just watching them leave and going and worship in a way that they can, uh, that relates to their age. And so anyway, Caleb was back there and we're getting ready for baptism. And, you know, it's always an interesting time putting on your waiters. And some people don't realize that, that the pastor wears waiters. They've always wondered, how does he come out here and he's dry? He's been that water. Well, the secret's out. I wear waiters. And, um, so anyway, Caleb, after we go through all the training, all the, all the little things that we talk about, he says, just in case, Anybody's wondering, I've got snacks for everybody if you need them. And so it's kind of like going on a camp out, you know. I, I got snacks, everybody. Chill. Don't worry about anything. We, I got you covered. It was, just, it was just precious out of the mouth of babes. This past week, Kelly and I had a chance to go to a ball game. And uh, it's, it's, it's so special to see all, all of our students in different ways, whether they're in the band on a ball team or cheerleading or just doing all kind of things and being salt and light, just being, just being young people. And, uh, one of our, one of our little boys, he's probably, he's probably six ish, give or take. And, uh, he, he came up, spoke to me and before I knew it, he's bringing up his buddies. He says, this is, this is pastor Howe. And he was introducing me to his, to, to his, to his buddies. I mean, who does that? I think I would have never done that at, at, at my at that age, and it's just we're, we're they're very very special. And some of you may be thinking, well, what does this have to do with it's a new day campaign? Everything, everything. It has everything to do with planting shade trees, because realistically, there's some of us in the room. Then we'll be able to see what I believe by faith God is going to do. But there's some of us that may not be here that long for whatever reason. Because of age or because of other circumstances. And so we've got to be reminded that one of the reasons we're doing this is for our children and our grandchildren and our young people, and our college students. So I want you to take your Bible, and I want you to turn to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. We're going to look at chapter 4, 
verses 1 through 9 in a minute. As we continue, as we think about planting shade trees. Now, if you weren't here last week, we introduced the theme of our campaign. Preparing for the renovations of inside and outside and the Haven Cross. But I want you to know that although financially there's going to be a commitment and an opportunity for us financially to participate. And that day will be where we pledge however God leads us to do as a family on the 11th of February between us and God, a three-year pledge, or however God leads you to do that. That is absolutely, even when you vote next week, or what you may or may not give, listen, it is to be based on a conviction. You do what God leads you to do, because I can assure you, I am going to do what I believe God is leading me to do as a Christian and as the pastor of this great church. So continue to pray about it, but understand it's about ministry, it's about Bible studies, it's about worship, it's about relationship, it's about testimonies of God's grace. That's really what this is all about. Now, if you missed last week, so in Isaiah chapter 43, and it basically talks about forget the former things. Don't dwell on it. Glance at it. Be grateful for it. Learn from it if it was bad. And then he says, I'm about to do a new thing. I saw a quote this past week that summarized last week's sermon. If you weren't here, need to be reminded, this is it. God has given you the opportunity to be defined by the rest of your life, not by the earlier chapters of it and so this is a reminder this week last week the weeks ahead is that God has given us an opportunity to celebrate what he's done individually and corporately as a church body through the years but by his grace we can't land there we don't stay there we keep moving forward that's what faith is faith is being sure of what you hope for and being certain of what you do not see that's biblical Hebrews 11, 1, verse 6, but without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So, I want you to listen carefully to the text, Deuteronomy 4. Begin with verse 1, NIV version today is what I'll read. But I want you to understand, when we come in here and when you approach God's Word, we approach it, sure, for information, understanding who the hearers were, the listeners were, who, who by inspiration of God was pinning this. How to apply it to our life, though, is so very important. Biblical application. Reading God's Word it's for information, but more than anything, it is for transformation. It is to cause us to be more like Christ and to understand our mission in life, our purpose in life, and what he wants us to do. And so, here it is. Now, Israel, hear the decrees and laws I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land the Lord, the God, your ancestors has given you. 
Do not add to what I command you. Do not subtract from it, Moses says, but keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I give you. You saw with your own eyes what the Lord did at Baal Peor. The Lord your God destroyed from among you everyone who followed the Baal of Baal Peor. That's in Numbers chapter 25 and verse 31. For historical context. But all of you who held fast to the Lord your God are still alive today. See, I have taught you decrees and laws of the Lord my God commanded me so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about these decrees and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I'm setting before you today? And then verse 9, Only be careful. And watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Planting shade trees. How do we do that? As a Christian, as a church, it's right there in our text. If you have your listening sheet, here's the first point. First principle that we can understand how to apply this to our lives and to our church family. One is live according to the Bible. Surprise! It's really not if you've been in church. And most of us or a lot of us have been in church a long time. We hear that over and over again and we can't be reminded too much. Listen to what just in this one chapter One theologian said, the verb listen is used nearly a hundred times in Deuteronomy alone. Listen, in Deuteronomy alone, a hundred times. That means what? That it's very, very important for God's people and for us today. The traditional Jewish confession of faith is called the Shema. From the Hebrew word, it means this. To hear, to pay attention, to understand, to obey. When you were growing up, did your dad ever get down to you? He did to me. And he'd say, how? Listen to me. And I'm telling you, I knew that Big Harold meant business. Well, our God, our loving, perfect father means business. He's saying Listen to me. This is a good thing. Now, sometimes my earthly father, it might be, oh, man, I'm in trouble. But ultimately, he was saying, I want to keep you out of trouble. There are boundaries. There's things you need to know that's going to bless you and take, and I care about you, and I love you so much, Hal. And that's just a little bit compared to our heavenly father. He loves us much more than any earthly father or mom or person could ever love us, though it can be wonderful. We're going to be reminded of that in just a minute. 
But that's what he's saying a hundred times, to hear, to pay attention, to understand, to obey. And we see that not just in the Old Testament. We see that throughout the New Testament. It's more than just sound waves. It's the whole being, the mind, heart, soul. Jesus said eight times, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In James chapter 1, verse 22, it says, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. The Bible says that we're to be in the world and not of the world. There's a balance there. We are not as Christians to go in our holy huddles or go live in a cave and just be surrounded by believers all the time. It is very important that we are with believers to be taught, to grow in Christ's likeness, to encourage one another, to pray for one another. But it's also important for us to be out there among the people and in the community and in the world so people can see, hopefully by the grace of God, an example of what it means to be a Christ follower. We're not going to be perfect. But over time, hopefully, or in a moment, hopefully and prayerfully, by God's grace, they'll see there is something different about that lady. There is something different about that fellow. And hopefully and prayerfully, they will know it's because of Jesus, it's not because of us. It's abiding in Christ and not in the world. And so the way that we can help impact our world and live out the Christian life is making sure that the Bible is a part of our life. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That's just one passage that reminds us that's where we need to go to get our energy, to get our food, to get our help so we can live this life that sometimes is very challenging. How do we do it? Well, one way is in here, corporately worship, where the Bible is taught, where it's sung, where it's testified about, where the ministry is involved. Another way is to be in a Bible study. We have Sunday school at 9 o'clock, but it might be you have a small group. That's another way we get it into our life. Another way, there's all kind of resources available. Oh, my goodness. You can listen to your favorite preacher on the radio, on the Internet. You've got podcasts. You got, I mean, I, I, it's everywhere. We have all kind of opportunities. I need to be careful who we watch, who we listen to, but, but we want to make sure it's sound doctrine. But, I mean, it's all over the place. One of the best ways, I believe, is through our devotional life have you this year don't answer out loud determine what your devotional is going to be is it a one-year bible is it a chronological bible is it tebow's devotional is it some other devotional bible study way to get this in your heart and life where you get along with god jesus awfully got along with the father when he was here early in the morning that's my my uh you got, to, you got to, your, your, best, your prime time, your grind time, and unwind time. I like mornings. I'm just wired that way. And so it may be it's morning. It might be at night. 
Maybe you're really different and odd, and you like to do your Bible study at night. That's okay. We can't be legalistic. We need to get along with God, where we cry out to God, where we sing to God, where we pray to God, where we read his word, we get a devotion and say, oh, God, help me. Oh, God, thank you. I hope and pray that as a church family, We're being reminded on a regular basis. And I hope you hear me say this over and over again. We're to abide in Christ and we're to get alone with him. And if we're missing that, we're missing out on one of the greatest relationships we'll ever have. And that's an intimate relationship with the God of this universe and with Jesus Christ. And so make sure that you have it. The Bible says God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and self discipline. 2 Timothy 1, 7. Now, some of you are aware whether you like Alabama football or not, or football or not, that what many call as the GOAT, Nick Saban, retired this past week. It was made public on a Wednesday afternoon for I think it was around 17 seasons he was at Alabama as a football coach and had a great success record. From all indications, he cared about winning as well as those that played for him. And for those of you that don't know, my wife is an Alabama fan. And so we have a house divided at our house. And it's been happening for decades. And when I got to church Wednesday night, I had several people, several, come up to me and say, is Kelly okay? (laughs) And because I had just heard like 30 minutes or an hour before, initially I thought, well, I hope so. I hadn't seen her today, but I I think I'm going to see her. And so then it it was like, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I said, well, I don't really know. And you see, and, I, and she ended up, she's, she's been sick. Now, she really is sick, but I have to say I have wondered <laughs> if it's a little bit of grief. Not really, but I do know there's some Alabama fans that are grieving, and it's understandable. But regardless, if you like football, whatever, one of the things that I've observed, and I like to watch leadership, uh, podcast and quotes and those kind of things to try to try to learn because I have much to learn about that and that's part of the role of being a pastor I believe that's biblical I think it's very important you never arrive no matter how old you are and here's some quotes just a few of Saban's quotes and I want, to, I want you to listen because it ties into what we're talking about point number one you can't get from A to Z by passing up B some of us think How can I bear the fruit of the Spirit? Well, it may be because we just come in here one time a week, sit in a chair, listen to what somebody else says, and leave and never get in this book again. It's a reminder that we have a wonderful privilege and opportunity and responsibility as a child of God. To say, oh God, speak to me through your word. 
Please help me. You can't get from A to Z by passing a B. Here's another one. There are two pains in life. There's the pain of discipline and the pain of disappointment. If you can handle the pain of discipline, then you'll never have to deal with the pain of disappointment. In other words, we all have emotions. And emotions can be good. Sometimes I sleep well. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I wake up about two or three in the morning and I might go to the restroom, which is what happens when you got when you're a guy about my age or so. And so you, you get back into bed and you're hoping you can go right back to bed and you and sometimes your mind starts racing. And before I know it, that alarm's going off, it's time to go to the gym. And I think, did I sleep? Did I not? Anybody else can testify to that? Okay. We had some others say they just had to go the they have to go to the bathroom at two or three, too. And I'm telling you, one of the most important things we can do is not operate day to day on our emotions or on our feelings. We're all going to have those days. We operate on the discipline that God says in 2 Timothy 1.7, he gives us to do the right thing by God's grace. And sometimes if we're tired or we've got all these different things going on that maybe our spouse or nobody knows about it, you just pray more. You say, God, help me. And you don't stop through the whole day. You just keep saying, God, help me. God, help me. God, help me. God, help me. And he listens all the time. Here's another one. Success doesn't come from pie in the sky thinking. It's the result of consciously doing something each day that will add to your overall excellence. This is something that adds to our overall excellence as a child of God, and it will also affect every area of our life. We don't do it based on our emotions or how we feel. We just say we, we figure out a plan and we get into it. And we ask God to help us and to speak to us. Discipline, he said, is not punishment. Discipline is changing someone's behavior. We make time for what we believe is important. If we believe the Bible really makes a difference, we will make time to abide in him. John 15, 5, if I abide in him and he in me, he will bear, I will bear much fruit. But without me, you can do nothing. John 15, 5. Point number two, we see from the text. Planting shade trees. Live according to the Bible. Number two, look at the values of the faithful. He, Moses, mentions ancestors in verse 1. He mentions that others will see their faithfulness and God's blessings and want to know who their God is in verse 6. Every Israelite child was to be told the following by their parents. The story of the Exodus. The significance of the crossing of the Jordan River. And to be an example of an encourage and an, and an encouragement to them. In other words, God was reminding them. And he's reminding us to tell our children and our grandchildren our testimony of God's grace in our life. Our life before Christ how we met him, and what he's doing now. The good, bad, and ugly, age appropriate at the right time so they can know my daddy loves God. I live with him. 
I'm around old grandma and grandpa at times when they say things I can't believe they'd say, but I know their heart is that they love Jesus. And they are saved by the grace of God. As parents and grandparents, it says, the Shema, we are to teach them the things of God. Yes, we're grateful they're in children's church. Yes, we're grateful at nine they have Bible study. Yes, we're grateful for vacation Bible school. But we have an opportunity as, as parents and grandchildren to make sure they know, I love Jesus. He's making a difference in my life. And without him, I'd be nothing. That's our responsibility. We're to be the primary teachers as family members to share God's values. To neglect these things can cause much damage damage later on in their lives. Do you know, believe it or not, some children will run into teachers and coaches that may treat them inappropriately? You do know that. I've lived long enough, and I've watched enough ball games to know that happens. This might be a little pet peeve, but hang on. I'm going to tell you about it. You know what really bothers me? Is to go to a ball game. And first of all, watch parents that evidently were frustrated athletes get all over their kids, and they're seven years old. What in the world are we thinking? Do we not realize those are live human beings that are listening and watching us? And yet we may say, let's go to church. And when they go to a ball game, we turn into somebody else. Ah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see anything in the Bible that teaches that's okay. So there, there's my pet peeve. Well, hang on. Let me tell you another one. It's to see a coach do that kind of stuff to young people that are developing as children and as teenagers. Coaches can influence their players for years to come. And it can either be good or it can be bad. Sometime in between, but usually it's good or bad. So it's real frustrating for me. If I go to a game whether it's a public school or private school, and sit behind a bench and watch the coach scold their players and defeat them because of the things they're saying in their body language, which is inappropriate at certain times to do that. I don't get it. And I think it can hurt our, our, our teenagers. And so I'm telling you, you know why I'm telling you that? Because I'm telling you that at home, Every time we see them doing something right, we need to pump them up and say, thank you. Way to go. I saw what you did. Praise God. I love you. I'm proud of you. And we need to do that as parents. We need to do that as grandparents. Now, listen, I'm not talking about we don't need to discipline. That's another responsibility of us and ours as children and grandchildren. I see some of that going on, too, at the grocery store. And I think, who's in charge at your house? That's a whole other thing. We'll save that. We need to play when it's time to play. Be serious when it's time to be serious. Discipline when it's time to discipline appropriately and at the right time with the right place and setting. And we need to encourage every chance we get. 
as parents and grandparents and the body of Christ and coaches and teachers. Hebrews 13, 7 says this. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Hebrews 13, 7. Love that verse. I feel and believe here that God is asking us to consider parents and teachers and coaches and etc. that raised us and don't let their deposit in our lives fade away. Verse 9, only be careful and watch yourselves closely that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Some of us have been blessed to be around parents that weren't perfect, but they loved God. They were real. The older I get, the more I appreciate my family of origin, my mom and dad and my sisters. When my sister Kathy died, my mom and dad and Kathy had died. I had one more sister. It was Karen, and I was basically in the funeral. I did Kathy's funeral, not Karen's, and I said, basically, I took a moment and said, Karen, we got a lot of pressure. Not only as a child of God are we representing Jesus, but those of us who were raised by a godly single parent, godly parents, or a church family that invested in us day in and day out, the good, bad, and ugly like First Kosciuszko did to me, bless their heart. We have a responsibility to take what they put in us and carry it on. Within a a year later, my sister, who I was putting pressure on, she passed away. She's in heaven. They've all left me down here. I feel a great responsibility to do what I can with things that they did to me. But more than that, regardless of your family of origin, if you are a child of God, then your heavenly Father loves you and sent his Son to die on the cross for you so you might be freed up to go to heaven and live the Christian life day in and day out and be salt and light. And we shouldn't take that lightly. It's a great privilege and responsibility. But we look at those values. That's what he's saying. Ponder. Think about the values that got you here, Israelites. Think about the values that got us here. When I think about my parents, this is what I, these are just a few things that I think about. And you think about what you got from, and it may have been a grandmama, laughter. Bible says laughter is like good medicine. We had a lot of laughter in my house. It was crazy. Giving to God. By God's grace, I grew up with a parent. I'm telling you, well, you say, well, your daddy was a preacher. You went to church every week. Well, yeah. But he did that because he was a Christian, not just because he was a preacher. And let me tell you what he did. I had a pink envelope every Sunday I went. That little pink envelope had a dime or a quarter or something. You know what Big Harold and Big Ann were teaching me? How? God gave his life through his son for you. The Bible teaches about financial stewardship. And they wanted me to be taught and to catch it. That that's just part of what you do. It's not a burden, it's a privilege. And it's an opportunity. So they taught me the importance. And I'm trying to get there in other things besides the tithes and offerings about being generous and trying to bless people financially and re- with resources as much as possible. Here's another thing that I, that, I, that I learned from them. Noticing people that were invisible. Noticing people that were invisible. It's amazing the things that 
that I look back on and think, oh, that's why mama took me to the nursing home. Oh, that's why daddy would take me occasionally to the hospital and visit people that sometimes it was, it was like, I, 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 boy, this is pretty rough. Oh, that's why when daddy would take me to the square in downtown Kosciuszko to get my hair cut by Lamar Nesbitt, he would go in there and there'd be Mr. Walker and Mr. Nesbitt and there was Mr. Palmer, the shoeshine man over in the corner. Didn't look like us. And I look back and I think, my daddy spoke to him every time we went in there. I have responsibility to think about those values that my parents taught me. And so do you. If you have those kind of parents or grandparents or influences on your life, life is short. It's fleeting. So we need to make sure that we understand those values. That's what he's talking about. And then I think about my mom. If I had one word, it would be kindness. If I think about my daddy, it'd be fearing God. He would stand up for what's right. Speaking of special needs, I may have shared this story before. One time, another haircut story. We were there, and uh, this time Mr. Walker was cutting my dad's hair. Mr. Walker told me this years later when I went back to First Kosciuszko to do a revival. He said, let me tell you what your daddy did one time. Again, if you've heard this, just hang on. This is what he said. He was asking daddy about his special needs child. And why? why? Why would God do that to me? Daddy got up out of the chair, turned and looked at him and said, you just don't get it, do you? He said, what do you mean, Brother Kitchy? He said, God has allowed you to have a very special child, and he entrusted you with Kim. Changed his perspective. Now, my dad did that, not all the time. But he did that because he felt out of conviction he needed to tell somebody he loved, look, you're looking at this all wrong. You've been blessed. How special. And how special it was about two or three months ago when I went back to Kosciuszko. You may remember that on a Sunday morning for one of their anniversary, 100-whatever anniversary. And there was Mr. Walker. And there was Miss Walker. And there was Beth, who I, gradu- who I went to school with. And then guess what? There was Kim. Values from our family. It's very important. Speaking of pleasing God versus pleasing people. Nick Saban said, if you want to make everybody happy, don't be a leader. Sell ice cream. <laughs> I had many people growing up in the church that influenced me. Their values are clear. East Haven Baptist Church, you have done the same throughout the years, teaching children VBS, working with those students, going on those mission trips or those choir tours back in the day. Don't stop. Don't stop. Keep planting shade trees. Thirdly and lastly, leave something behind for your children and grandchildren. Verse 9b teach them to your children and to their children after them. Leaving behind financial blessings is certainly helpful and a blessing if we can do that. But leaving behind spiritual blessings is most important. We need to love our children, discipline our children once again, and demonstrate godly priorities. It's what's caught more than what's taught. Now, quickly, renovations, the Haven Cross. It's been 
25 years plus or so since improvements to what's gone on over here. That means many of us, we won't be here super long perhaps to enjoy them. Who will? Our young folks. This is not really about us. Though I can't wait for the Baptist prayer altar. Did you see the picture back there? It's called a Baptist prayer altar. It's, it, now, I understand it's portable, which is fine because you're going to have weddings and stuff. But it's going to be right here. And it's going to be over here. And we're Southern Baptist. And I'm pumped about it. Because that means not only are those steps that are going to come down, so I don't have to be tempted to jump anymore, by the way, that we can come at times. We're not talking about anything uh, doctrinally charismatic. We're just talking about God help us, and we seek, our, we seek the Lord, and we pray. And we say, God help me. I can't wait for that. And people coming here not having to avoid and, those potholes in that parking lot. You ever seen those potholes in the parking lot? You kind of, oh, uh, uh. man, I'm telling you, it'll mess up a Mustang like that. <laughs> so we're going to work on those. They're needed. Those, 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 those improvements on the outside are needed. That, that's part of what this is about. Why? For the future. We're planting shade trees. For guests to come. The Haven Cross. When do you think, just think about this, when do you think a 150-foot cross with bright shining lights will come down? Probably when Jesus returns. I mean, I'm thinking, I'm not thinking that thing's going to come down real easy. Now, it might. You know, it, it may be we have a tornado, boom, that thing's down. And we have to figure that out, and Kenny will help us figure that out, I'm sure. But I'm thinking, Man, that could, that could be something and a statement that lasts a long time, shine bright to our community and beyond in saying we love Christ. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but those are, that are being saved it is the power of God. And it may impact people more than we ever know. And then verses 6 through 7, once again, observe them carefully. For this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is wise and of understanding people. The reason this church, one reason, big reason, they came over here. We came over here was what? So we can impact not just our people and have a little room to spread, but so we can minister to our community. And by God's grace, so many times that has happened to be able to host different events and to do different things. And yet it is not over we have to keep moving forward we have to be good stewards of what we have here for our grandchildren and for those that are lost without Christ that may come because they see we care about them and we do it not with extravagance but with excellence forget the former things forge ahead in the future, by faith, let's plant some shade trees. Dear God, thank you for your word and help us know how to apply it to life. We pray for those during the invitation that may need to, uh, to pray, to come forward, to accept you as our personal Savior. May your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing. Respond as God leads.